first. But isn't that our problem? So we accept this like thousands, thousands of generations before we change, okay. we evolve. Is it? I mean, how fast do we evolve? Like, oh well, it's it's really it's really difficult to say for humans because because we have such a long lifespan, you know. And how how many children oh, it's not, do people it's not have? Even about lifespan and like, you know, if you have just one or two kids, yeah, that's like it might be two. You know, two or three generations over 150 years. Or something like yeah. Well, like, I mean, basically, the thing about it is, right? You've got a lot of different. You've got a lot of different variables there. Um, when you're talking about lifespan, lifespan doesn't mean anything in a geological context, and that's what we're, we're looking at geological time when we're talking about evolution. So, in, in human evolutionary terms, um, you know, we've got our, you know, 400,000 years um, or so, and then 40,000 years ago, basically, we see the first descendants of modern man. And then these begin to move up through from Africa to Asia, then to Europe about fifteen thousand years ago. So it's a very very short window for us, and we're basically like fun, we're fundamentally the same as we were back then, as we are now. Um, what we're actually doing is we're outsourcing our evolution into technology. Yeah. And so, like the entire thing about it is that like error, error, our bodies changed as our technology took over for us. So we lost the big teeth. Um, because we started using yeah. knives to cut our food, yeah, yeah. and so we didn't need big teeth anymore to tear it from carcasses and yeah. so on and so forth. So tools begin to take over. We're wearing these clothes. Wearing clothes, we, we lose the thing. And like I mean, in a very about um, there's an actual term for some are more furry than others. You know, would we still have like I mean, <laughs> think of if it, would we be able to eat raw meat, say, or would we get sick? In a certain extent, like I mean, you get to the point where you would say, yes, these things, like previous iterations of humanity would be able to deal with this t- uh, more rough types of food. But that's simply because that they had been doing it for, for, since, since birth. Yeah. You know what I mean? This kind of idea. So there's an adaptation. You've got, you've got physical adaptation that is denoted by the genes or the, the genotype of the individual itself. But then you also have adaptation that's denoted by the genotype of the species. Um, and so, like, I mean, what I was talking about, like, an adjustment in a global sense or for a, for a population would be go, taking, coming down out of the trees and then living on the grasslands is, like, an evolutionary pressure for an entire species. Whereas diet is much more kind of individualistic on a scale. It, to a certain extent, like, I mean, when you say that if we move from, say, uh, Big tropical forests where we would eat primarily roots and fruit. If you moved into a coast where you're primarily eating fish, for example, that's going to be a huge shift, change, and, yeah. and that will change like your evolutionary pressures again. Mm. And that's actually probably associated with why we developed such large brains um, so quickly. Mm. So that we're able to adapt to rapid changes in the environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're beautiful. Um, so we're going to have genetically engineered humans soon. Um, it's pot- potentially. Um, I mean, there's going to be a huge like amount of problems with it. Like, we need to end up getting into a proper secular um, uh, society before we we're ever going to be able to start to, to genetically engineer humans. Um, but I think. Why? Why is it? Why? Do you reckon it's being done? And well, I'm just I've seen splice the other night. But as seen, a, but oh, as a, like yeah, I don't seen, think like I've I mean the trailer. It's kind of well, I mean I don't want to ruin the film per se, but it's the idea that like um, you know even if it's if it's not lawful to do so, then people, people are going to do, do it, it anyway. Like it's you know. possible. Like you will get people of the mad scientist variety yeah. who will just go and do it anyway. But the entire thing is that there's an awful lot of um, 
it does not put a lot of pressures against that kind of act because uh, it's very difficult to have a large enough laboratory that's well stocked with all of the correct equipment and necessary tools to be able to perform this like high level molecular uh, research and uh, technology uh, or like you know kind of engineering um, uh, without anybody noticing it like you know them crazy mad scientists that Hitler had you know if, if any of them were around today you know they just do they'd just be doing it and they'd be like, getting people and, and, and babies and they make like when you don't blow think, in the dark babies when you don't think about the ethics of it like you can make huge strides and stuff like this but like ethics are important because you know I'm talking about like having a secular uh, secular society. I think it's important for a secular society to be able to do proper biotechnology work because there's an awful lot of dogma that's associated with um, uh, basically kind of uh, the, the sanctity or, or the purity of the self. Um, so you're looking at the, the idea of the self as a temple or like uh, the last kind of refuge of the soul is the DNA and the last refuge of the individual is the DNA. Um, so when you start to tinker with that, then you're you're you're, you're definitely you're taking uh, the power away from God to define what we have uh, as our, our, our destiny or our place in life or our gifts or attributes or abilities that are supposed to be handed down from on high. Or you know we say randomly, you know, random chaos is my God uh, yeah. at this point. So when you say like you know the the wherever these attributes come from. If you begin to ascribe them, then you're taking away the power from the spiritual other or the, 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 the chaotic other, mm. um, and then you're taking the power into your own hands. And that's a, a that's a, a large leap for anybody to do. Mm. But isn't it something? I mean, you know, isn't, isn't it something in a way that people have done for thousands of years with dogs and cattle? Oh, uh, you know, have breed, for breed, breed, breeding them. You know. You know, so oh, there is, I mean, that's that's like that's, <laughs> that's what that's <laughs> that made me cry when I was isn't, a child. Isn't that what Hitler was into with sort of Eugenics. breeding, breeding and that's, humans? That's into, one of the huge problems. Like, you know, the super race. You know, that's one of the huge cleansing the genetic. Yeah, genetic. That's exactly it. Like that's the huge problem that's with this. I mean, it's like, do you want to be a person to turn around and tell every deaf person that, like, they shouldn't necessarily be alive, like, because if they were found to be deaf as an embryo, we would have had them aborted. Mm. Do you want to turn around and tell everybody who is born with any kind of disability that they shouldn't be? Like, do you want to turn around and tell every gay person that you mean? But at the same that, time, that, that they do, do you want to tell so a, a parent that, so do you want to tell a parent that they don't have the choice to know if, yeah, you no, know, exactly. if the opportunity is there? Yeah. Well, and so it becomes this weird sort of. Sense our imperfections make us human, though, as well. Like the, the, the thing of it just I mean, not, in, not so much in, in disability. In, in a like, metaphysical context, it's yeah. like yeah, it, it is true that you know to to um, to err is human and to be imperfect is is, is what we all have in, in common. Really, mm. uh, we have different strengths, and but it's our weaknesses that define us to a certain extent. Mm. Um, so yes, it's true, and I think. As soon as you begin to try and alter the, the strengths of one, in one strand, you're going to end up with problems in another. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you try to, to engineer, uh, uh, as an example, if you try to engineer a child to have a particular muscle density that would be associated with uh, athletics or you know being an acrobat or a weightlifter to an Olympic And then they're really not into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they want yeah, to go do something else, they're really big. If they've got this kind of... If the, you're after ascribing them this body and then they don't have yeah exactly they either don't have any interest in it or their actual physiognomy isn't actually able to handle the stress of it I mean like you didn't take in I'm sure it would be taken into account but the idea of uh, the amount of nutrients that the, that the, these, this density of tissue require the, 
the um, the vascular system and how the vascular system would need to be There's a lot of subtleties in it that I don't think we're ready for it. A huge amount of subtleties. And I mean, you learn this when you do a science degree. Um, I basically did a four-year science degree in Trinity, so I've done geography, geology, maths, physics, uh, chemistry, biology. So I, that was in first year. I did modules and all of these things, and then now I'm a bi- microbiologist. So you learn... What I would describe myself or my understanding of, of, of how the world works is as a system, as system science. So on a very, on a very, on the, I'll basically go from the smallest, okay, the smallest level outwards to the largest level. All right, you ready for this? Basically, it's like a chain, right? So we have the nucleus inside the cell, and that's a nuclear system. Okay, so because you've got uh, the DNA and the DNA, uh, RNA, protein matrices. That basically, um, you know, they spin outwards and they, they basically uh, um, uh, delineate the responsibilities of the cell that they're inside. Okay, so that's a that's that's a, a, a single system on itself. It communicates with the cell and the cells around it uh, through chemical signaling processes, um, which are basically like smells. That's the best way I can put it. And so you get with these cells and cell systems. And these cell systems come together as organs. So then an organ has a function, and, and that function is, is basically ascribed um, according to um, you know, whatever kind of evolutionary pressures that came from it. But the organ arises and has a job, and it does it, and all of these cells follow the same pattern. That organ then can also be part of an organ system. So for example, the uh, adrenal glands are part of the endocrine system, and that system controls all of the hormones inside the body um, and coordinates all of the chemical signaling sync uh, from the, the brain through the central nervous system. Um, outwards to the muscles, so enhanced muscle growth or you know fight or flight response and so on and so forth. All of those signaling events controlled by the endocrine system. That's a single organ system. Mm-hmm. Then you have an actual, um, you have like organ systems that then actually interact with each other, like I just described, uh, that then make up an entire physiognomy of an individual. So then that the individual is uh, competing and conflicting systems of cells and organs um, that have a you know some kind of uh, a higher purpose, I suppose, which is for our consciousness to arise from that. Um, and then that individual interacts with other individuals within a social system, okay? And those those different interactions then uh, allow hierarchies uh, and so on to arise. Um, but that's 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 social, so that's we're just going to put that to the side because it's a tangent. Um, and those individuals then within that particular group or that particular group there's more groups of those systems, so tribes within a population. And then you've got populations that interact with each other. So for example, hummingbirds and flowers, populations that interact and depend on each other to survive. Interdependent. Yeah. And those populations don't actually have any genetic transfer Mm -hmm. uh, at all across the boundaries. But they're still, if if you get rid of one, the other one is gonna die out. Um, And then those populations uh, come together to interact with uh, abiotic systems then, which are environmental factors like uh, wind, rain and sun and weather um, and these two systems basically organic and inorganic systems come together then to create a biosphere and that biosphere then is earth so you go from the biggest round thing to the smallest round thing back again and so all of these things are all related to each other and they all basically slotted um, and when you're learning about them all you're able to do is look at each one literally through like a little keyhole and you need to look through each keyhole and like connect them all together until you've got the big picture mm. and that takes a lot longer than four years <laughs> so what's the meaning of life? Um, actually I think personally the meaning of life is to um, 
have as much fun and like aggrandize yourself as possible without necessarily denigrating anybody else um, and don't actually put anybody else's needs before your own unless putting their needs before your own will make you feel good okay <laughs> it's, it's a biological principle I don't necessarily I don't necessarily adhere to it yeah I don't think it's possible for anybody to adhere to it but you can get people put their own needs before everybody else's that we just end up in a, in a very selfish society like you know I mean where are we at now at the moment no but that's, like, that's, that's genes like, that's, yeah. that's just how genes go um, but like I mean if you do the maths on it it's very interesting because you get these behaviours arising uh, like for example you social animals like bees um, the queen bee is a sister to all of the other bees and shares half of their genes, um, I think. Um, and then for every worker bee, the worker bee shares uh, no, the worker bee shares three quarters of its genes with the queen bee, um, and the all of the other worker bees also share three quarters of their genes with each other. Yeah, that's what it is. The worker bee shares half of its its genes with the queen bee, and three quarters of its genes with all of the other worker bees. Which means that all of the worker bees have the same genetic investment in the queen bee's offspring as if they had their own offspring. Um, which means that when a new queen comes in, some worker bees will start to... When the queen dies, some worker bees will start to become queens. So like the job of the queen is just to knock out babies all day long. That's it, right? exactly, yeah. Because all of the workers are basically... And how, many, how, many, how many kids does the queen bee have? Like hundreds of thousands over its lifetime. Like, um, it depends on the size of the swarm and the the temperature and the nutrients that but they're able to do. One queen bee. But a, a single queen bee could lay like a hundred eggs in a few hours. I think. Her harem. Yeah. We well, see, like she has she has sperm that she took from the drone. They only mate once. Okay. And she collects all of the sperm from the drone, and then that does her for her life. All right. All right. Because the drone dies after copulation. Mm. Also, the drone of the bee has one of the biggest penises relative to its size in the entire animal kingdom. It's three times the size of its body. <laughs> and the reason that it dies is because when it actually uh, gets ready to copulate, it bursts out of its stomach, like it's inside it, and it bursts out and tears its guts out with it, and then it mates with the queen bee, mm. deposits all of its fur, falls off, and then dies. So it kills itself rather than the queen killing it. The human meaning of life is different to the apple. Yeah. <laughs> no, the human meaning of life is just be nice to each other. Like, try your best. Don't necessarily actually like actively kill somebody if you can. And if you can afford it, killing people. If you can avoid killing somebody or like ruining somebody's I life, know. I think. Hard. It's so hard not to ruin people's lives, just like on a whim. I know, it's just it's difficult. We mostly don't have control of that, like, you know, from society, like, we don't really have a choice. Oh, and it's actually. Well, no, we do have a choice. But all you, all, all, okay, okay. Literally, I think, to a certain extent, um, all you're able to really control is, like, this much. Um, for, to, for the benefit of the microphone, I have my arms outstretched right yeah. now. Uh, you're only you're only able to uh, you're only able to kind of control that much of the world. Down to it. I don't know why you're recording everything. That yeah, it's better. Like okay, look, you you have you have this much control. Like actually, just this, this much. <laughs> this much control. Oh, I have to go back for it. Go. Okay. That that's this is as far as I have control over my world, like right now. But you know, because we are hierarchical creatures, and then getting into sociality and stuff like this, uh, we have an awful lot more control because. Uh, all of our thoughts and desires and stuff are supposed to mean something. We're also cooperative. We're able, to, we're, also, we're able to write it down and then we're able to ask each other to do things. 
but we're also able to manipulate we're also cooperative though. no it's true I mean, you know yeah. I mean like like there's a huge amount of organization in our society if it was an actually tremendous amount of organization society we'd never get this far without like we would never have gotten as far as we have without cooperation we would literally still be in the, or on the grasslands like you know, killing each other and trying not to be eaten by lions or whatever um, but I mean the whole thing about it is that like when you're looking at, at um, when you're looking at like social hierarchies and you're looking at the, the world as it is now, um, it's actually developed to a point where it's too complex for any one person to do anything about anything because it's after been established like it's almost after growing into its own entity, like just as a like just as a hive fire ants basically. You look at the hive and you call that a super organism because not not any single one part of that organism is in control. Like that, or, that super organism has its own rules and its own definitions of life. Mm. Um, like a single, a single ant is not an ant colony. Um, but when you have enough of them together, then they end up getting their own kind of very strange kind of awareness. Mm. Uh, like if you if you disturb like like a beehive, even if you disturb the hive, everything inside the hive knows about it almost immediately. You know what I mean? And there's like there's still they're still researching like how what what kind of what signaling events go on to do that? Like, I mean, just as your consciousness ar ar arises um, from your form, from the interplay between your brain and your body, um, I think that there's a certain type of consciousness that arises between the interplay of all of the ants as cells within uh, within that organism. Like, they're, they're, we shared them, consciousness. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of well, like, or an awareness. Shared awareness. awareness. Well, an awareness is the best way of putting it because they are aware. Like, you're able to just you're able to provoke reaction through awareness mm. so it's um it's it's a it's a it's an in, it's a really really interesting um so the thing with the, the way the ants go and find a new colony they all go out and they come back and they you know they they decide like you know, what's the best place yeah by, by consensus basically. yeah exactly it's that's actually something that i read about that was amazing which is um i think some bees as well do it they one goes out finds a place comes back tells another one about it and then it goes out and, it checks, yeah. and then it comes back and then it recruits somebody else and the other one recruits somebody else and it becomes exponential where you know 16 and then 32 and then 128 and then all of them are, are going having a look and coming back and if they don't like it they stay mm. and the ones that go out and if they, if they approve then they'll come back and they'll try and convince somebody else to go with them so it's this very strangely democratic system of, uh, of, of, of moving house you know this kind of idea so what your talk is on now, is it? What's your name, actually? Just so uh, my name is Connor Courtney. Yeah, I'm, I'm a mediator in the Science Gallery. Thanks, Connor. All right, Thanks, Connor. I'm Kevin. Yeah, Sorry. Kevin. Good to meet you. Mark. Mark. Good nice to meet Connor. Yeah. Cheers. I'll chat to you after the talk. Yeah. I'm going to be here until like 8 o'clock. So. Sound. Very interesting. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Right. I'm happy to talk to you. Like, everyone. Uh, All right, sounds okay. Sound. Good. Good.